Good morning, church. It's so good to see you all here. As you can tell, things are a little bit different this morning. It's the well weekend, and we are just so excited to um, worship God with you. So if you would stand up, please. We're going to start with Come Thou Fount. I'm Ethan. And we're students at Flagler. So to help better connect with our members and guests, we have a text-based platform. So if you're a first-time visitor or if you have Paracrest, please text CONNECT to 904-441-6900 or text NEWS for the digital bulletin also to 904-441-6900. You can also stop by our welcome desk located out in the atrium. We have an incredibly fun night coming up at Anastasia. Our drama ministry will be putting on a musical dinner theater Friday, March 24th. Tickets are $25. You can get more info and book your ticket at anastasiachurch.org slash dinner theater or visit the church office. Thank you. If you please stand, we're going to continue on with worship. Oh, Lord, my God. 
Good morning, church. My name is Rachel Smith, and I'm the Discipleship and Social Media Ministry Coordinator here at Anastasia, and we're so excited to have The Well, our college and young adult ministry, leading worship with us today. Um, we're so blessed as a church to be a church of many generations, and um, we just had Impact Weekend here this weekend for our middle school and high school students, and it was such a great time to see all those students grow in their relationship with the Lord and just learn more about God's Word. And we actually had a few students get baptized yesterday, which is just so awesome. And we're able to do these events and have these ministries because of your generous gift giving as a church. So I just want to thank you for believing in the next generation of believers. And if you feel called to give today, there are three ways to do it. You can text the word give to the number 904-441-6900. You can also head over to our website and hit the give tab and follow those steps to give digitally or if you would like to give in person, you can drop it off at one of the deposit boxes on our church campus. And now Alex is going to pray for our offering. All right, everyone. Let's uh, bow our heads in prayer, please. Lord, blessed be your name. Thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've given us, Lord. Lord, um, we come to you and we ask that you put your hand over the offering, Lord, that uh, you bless it and that um, Lord, you bless those who are able to give, Lord, and those who are not able to give, Lord. You, you know every heart, every plan, every action people um, have to make, Lord. Um, we ask that you please put this hand over its church, that it may grow in you, Lord, that um, we continue to worship and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead. 
Well, as um, it's been said, we are the young adult and college ministry here at Anastasia The Well. My name is Julia Murray. I have the privilege of leading these young adults every week, and they are such a blessing to me. And I'm so grateful to Pastor Walter and this church for allowing us to be here. Um, and hopefully worship so far has been a blessing to you. I also know that um, the 1030 service, we have our live stream. And for those that are joining us through our live stream, thank you for being here. But we have a special guest I know that joins us every week on our live stream, um, David and Marsha Elder. And today is Pastor David's birthday, so I would be remiss if we didn't say happy birthday to him before we continue on. 
So continuing to just pray over David and Marcia and loving on them, what a blessing they are to our church. This morning, I've asked two of our students um, to share what God has placed on their heart. Um, we've been talking this semester about what it means to lead a life on mission. How does that look? And um, they have been praying about this, studying the scripture, and God has revealed in their devotions what it means for them, and they're going to be sharing um, with you this morning. We'll have Katie Speakman, who just so beautifully um, led us in worship, and Nate Vance. So you please um, welcome them to the stage. Hello again. <laughs> like she said, my name is Katie Speakman. I'm a student at Flagler College. And I'm blessed to be one of the worship leaders at The Well every Tuesday. Um, first of all, I'd like to say thank you to this church for caring so much about college students and to our amazing leaders who share their lives with us each week. Um, as a ministry, our mission verse is 1 Thessalonians 2.8, which says, We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become so dear to us. And with that being the heart and soul of our ministry, I can't think of a better theme for the Well Weekend 2023 than Life on Mission. Um, so as I was thinking a few weeks ago about what I wanted to talk about, about Life on Mission, I realized that I fall victim to thinking that I'm the hero of this story. And I think in our life stories, we all want to be the main character. We want to be the one that comes up with the strategy that saves the world. And we want the crowds to cheer us on and pat us on the back. But when we try to take that role on, we quickly realize how unfit we are for that job. So if we can't save the whole world, why should we try? Why should we join a mission that we're doomed to fail at in our own power? I think the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 is a humbling but encouraging picture of how we should live out the purpose God has for our lives. So, if you would, turn with me to Matthew 25, and we're going to read verses 14 through 29. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who'd received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who'd received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who'd received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man who'd received one talent also approached. Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. 
His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant, if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that it would speak to everyone in this room, that um, you would speak through me, Lord, that it would be your words and not mine that they take with them today. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this parable, Jesus is the master of the servants, and he goes on a journey when he ascends to the heavens and leaves us with his spiritual riches. Um, As the church, we're entrusted with his spirit, which provides us with his promises, with the fruits of the spirit, with the truth, and with supernatural power to do his work in the world. So this morning, I want to give you five ways that you can live a life on mission today. The first is to be faithful in the little everyday responsibilities God has entrusted to you. We see in the passage that some of the servants are entrusted with a lot, while others are entrusted with a little. Like me, you may get discouraged often and feel like you don't have that much to offer God. But whatever your weakness is, take heart in what the passage says in verse 21. It says, you are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Instead of trying to plan out some strategy for a great calling, think about what you have in front of you. What opportunities has God given you to be obedient to him today? That could just mean taking a lonely friend to lunch or doing your job to the best of your ability, or it could be washing the dishes without being asked. My mother would love that. Don't see any act of obedience to God as too small to be significant to his kingdom, because if you're faithful with a little, God promises to entrust you with more. He knows the plan for your future, so just worry about what he has for you today. Secondly, say yes to his spirit with a cheerful heart, which can be a very hard thing to do. Matthew Henry's commentary on this passage says, It's observable that he who had but two talents gave up his account as cheerfully as he who had five. For our comfort in the day of judgment will be according to our faithfulness, not our usefulness, our sincerity, not our success, according to the uprightness of our hearts, not according to the degree of our opportunities. So what you have to offer God's kingdom is not as important as your obedience and your willingness to say yes to him. But also remember that your heart and your attitude when you're obedient will determine whether your actions have any impact on the kingdom at all. I think of acts of service a lot like gift giving. So imagine it's my best friend's birthday, and I didn't actually do this, but this is a hypothetical. While she's unwrapping the gift that I gave her, I complain about how much it cost me, how inconvenient it was for me to stop on the way to get her a gift out of my busy schedule. How much do you think that would mean to her? Does it show her how much I love her? A gift is a material item that she might give to Goodwill in two years. But physical, tangible actions are significant if there's love behind them. In the same way, we should have joyful, thoughtful, loving attitudes when we serve people. Otherwise, it's meaningless. 
1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 says, If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Third, trust that his grace is sufficient when you feel inadequate. Back in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, it says that God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. He's chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing, what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. Here the Lord reminds us that the world sees success completely backwards, that the influencers, the powerful, people with control, and the especially talented are all the ones who receive praise for their success. But we're not the main characters in this story, even if we like to think we are. Jesus himself, the one with the plan to save the world, was humble, and he didn't use his supernatural power for control. So if he lived a simple, humble, faithful life, how much more should we, who have no power outside of his spirit? Fourth, start with people God has put in front of you. Before we could even question what we're supposed to be doing for God's kingdom, the parable says, following the verses, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. We're called to serve those with physical needs that are around us, but we're also surrounded every day by people who are poor in spirit, who are heart sick, who are imprisoned by sin, and who are hungry for the word of God. Oftentimes, though, I feel like we count people out. I work every Saturday at the amphitheater farmer's market, so if you ever see me and my sister, come say hi. Um, but if you've ever worked in customer service or in the food industry, you know what it's like when people are very rude to you and you make a little simple mistake. And what it's like to smile and apologize while someone insults your intelligence. But somehow, I find it easier to smile and nod when someone's rude to me than to have patience with my sister or my four little brothers. <laughs> the people who are closest to us are sometimes just the hardest ones to love. So we like to make them the exception. Oh, my little brother will still love me because he's my brother. It doesn't matter, but it does matter because they're the ones who you need to show the most grace. The people in your closest circle in your home who see you at your best and your worst are the ones who you have the greatest opportunity to disciple. Because from your closest circle, that's where we're supposed to go out into the world that doesn't know us. Fifth and finally, have faith that God will provide for you if you surrender to him. Maybe you're sitting here today and you feel more like the man who hid his talent, the man who is driven by fear. Maybe you, like me, feel like your time and your money and your energy is spread as thin as it can possibly be spread. But I promise you, if you hold tightly to the little you have, you will miss out. If you release your whole life, every minute to be used how God sees fit, you'll gain more than you ever lose. And like the parable, he'll multiply what you give. And what you lack, through his grace, he'll provide. It takes faith. It's not easy, but your dependency on God will bring you closer to him. 
I want to leave you with this powerful quote from Oswald Chambers. Faith is the heroic effort of your life. You fling yourself in reckless confidence on God. God has ventured all in Jesus Christ to save us. Now he wants us to venture our all in a life that can face anything it has to face without wavering. Again and again, you'll get up to what Jesus Christ wants, and every time you turn back when it comes to that point, until you abandon resolutely. Jesus Christ demands that you risk everything you hold by common sense and leap into what he says. Christ demands of the man who trusts in him the same reckless spirit that's daring enough to step out of the crowd and bank his faith on the character of God. Thank you so much for having me. I pray that, most importantly, God's word spoke to you today more than my words. Um, And now I want to ask my amazing friend, Nate Vance, to come up and share what God's been teaching him about living life on mission. Good morning, church. As already said, my name is Nate Vance, and I am so thankful to be up here with you all today. Um, Let me just set up here, sorry. Um, So, like we've been talking about, the theme that we're um, jumping on is a life on mission. That's what the well has really been focusing on lately, is this idea of what does it really mean to live a life on a mission? And it's weird for me um, looking at this time and looking at my life. When I look at my life, I guess I've always lived on mission, you could say. Um, I've been in church since I was in my mother's womb. I just was always, I was always, I was always in church. I was always there. Um, And I did all the VBSs and I did all the mission trips. And I, you know, I, I was the youth pastor's kid. Like I was the poster child for Christianity, I guess you could say. So my life was on mission. Um, but when I first started looking at this theme and that this in my life, I was like, I don't know. What does it mean to live life on mission? And is it about what I'm doing or is it about who I'm serving? And I think a lot of times I would look at what I was doing, the actions and the, and the things, and I would get lost in the motions of what I was doing just because that's what I do. I'm at church Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> I'm just always at church. And so when I was studying, um, I guess, this theme and trying to figure out, you know, what, what I was going to talk about this morning, I, I, f- I came to the passage of uh, Martha and Mary. And when Jesus meets with them, and it's in Luke 10, um, verse 38, if you want to turn there. And it's really just this beautiful picture of, of I think, what every believer falls into. You're either a Martha or you're a Mary. And so, again, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you this morning, Lord, and I just, I thank you for the opportunity. Um, Father, I pray that I would just be a vessel, that you would just speak through me this morning, and that you would show us all how to, how to live a life on mission where we sit at the feet of Jesus, um, and just, uh, again, speak through me. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what does it mean to sit at the feet of Jesus? Um, this is a question that I've been honestly struggling with for a while now just because, I, again, I, I am busy all the time. And it's just sometimes it's hard to really cut out that time to, to sit with Jesus in devotion, just to, to really just dive into his word and not be serving or doing something else. And I really just couldn't, I couldn't help but be drawn to this story because in a way, this is really how we as believers tend to live life on mission. We are Martha or Mary. Um, some of us on mission are Martha, and we are just constantly doing the work of Jesus. We are constantly involved. We are holding, we're uh, at the doors greeting people. We are running a small group. We are uh, helping in children's church. We're helping in the college group. Like, there's just so many things that we're doing. Some of us on mission are like Mary, and a lot of times we're we're always at the feet of Jesus. We're always taking time, and we're always cutting out that time that's important and spending personal time to build our relationship with Jesus. And I think we make time for Jesus when we sit at his feet and we intently listen to teaching he has for us day in and day out. And to be vulnerable with you all this morning, I am a Martha that is desperately trying to be a Mary. And I feel as though I'm not alone in this truth. And I hope this morning that the Holy Spirit gives us clarity on how, again, how to, how to not always be working as Mary and to learn and submit and have fellowship with Jesus. So let's walk through the text. The story opens in verse 38 with Jesus entering a village. And we would know and find out later that this village is Bethany. Um, it is the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. From here, a new character immediately is introduced to the story. This is the first mention of Martha in the Gospels. And it shows Martha welcoming Jesus into her house. And so what's important about that is then we immediately are thrown into Martha's house. And the text describes what her sister Mary is doing. And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And looking at cultural context, whenever a rabbi, in true Jewish tradition, whenever a rabbi would be around his students, they would sit around and listen to him. They would sit at his feet and they would hear his teaching. And what is so cool about this first encounter Jesus has with Mary is that throughout the Gospels, you will always find Mary at Jesus' feet. It's a beautiful picture of her submission and her love for him. In John 11, Mary falls at Jesus' feet when he arrives to resurrect their brother Lazarus. In John 12, she's at his feet anointing them with expensive oil. And so it is very significant that this is the first way we see Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And this morning, for my first point, our first step of obedience to Jesus is sitting at his feet. I remember when I came to the well, um, it was two years ago now, and I hadn't been in church for a while. COVID had happened, which was just a weird time for everybody. And I had been in church my whole life. And then they said, don't go to church. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, and I, and I, it was just crazy. I just, I wasn't in church. And... Um, it was just like a, a year or a year and a half where I was just in the house and just like waiting out to see what this virus was going to do. And so when the time came that I, I moved in with my, my grandmother, actually, and she was like, hey, go to the well. And I said, okay. So I checked out the well. And as soon as I went, I was so pumped up. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I'm so happy to be around believers again, worshiping with believers, learning about Jesus. This is so exciting. And I wanted to jump right back into serving. I was like, I haven't served in a while. I want to, I want to be a leader. I want to start doing stuff. And I came to Julie and asked her, and she lovingly told me no. 
she, um, her spirit and my spirit knew that I needed to not start serving immediately. I needed to take time to sit at Jesus' feet again and rebuild my foundation that I had. It wasn't gone, but it was weak. And I had to build on solid ground again. And I'm so thankful that she did that because I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that. Now, moving on to this text, we find out what um, we find out what Martha is doing. So in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Here we see there's an immediate contrast. So, so the, the text immediately shows Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, and then it shows Martha being distracted with much serving. And I looked up the word distracted um, in the Greek, and it's perispao. So if you want to say that with me, perispao. One more time. Perispao. There you go. So, which means, and, and the reason I looked it up is because I think sometimes we think that distraction can mean like, oh, my phone buzz, I'm just going to check it real fast and put it away. It, it's not like a minor distraction. It, what it means in the, drink is, in the Greek is to be driven about mentally, over-occupied. Like your mind, your mind was consumed with this serving. And so everything that she was doing was filling her time and her, was filling her mind and her time instead of Jesus' teachings. Why was Martha so confused? so consumed with this distraction. Um, I think it's important to understand that, one, Martha is the one that invited Jesus into her home. She invited a rabbi, uh, a prophet, that's who they would have believed him to be, into her home. So she was just preparing her house for Jesus. And I don't know about y'all, but whenever my mom has somebody over, she turns into a military general. And the house is on DEFCON 1. We got to get everything ready. It's got to look like nobody lives there. Like, it's just a brand new home. It's crazy. And I, I love you, Mom, but seriously. I, and so now imagine Jesus is coming to your home. How would you react? How would my mom react? Uh, it, would, it would be crazy. And we would, we would want to have a good representation of our house. We'd want Jesus to say, hey, this is a beautiful home. Therefore, I don't want to look at Martha this morning and say, wow, I can't believe you are more like Mary. Because Mary was, or Martha, was doing what she knew and loving Jesus in the ways she knew how was by serving. And so that leads me to my second point this morning, is that while we are sitting at the feet of Jesus, we must fight off distractions. And that is because distraction from Jesus leads us to disbelief in him. Look at verse 40 again. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Do you not care that I'm doing all the work? Do you not care that I'm anxious and troubled while she seems untroubled? Do you not care, Lord, that I'm doing all this work for you? Do you not care that I'm slaving away for your kingdom? Lord, do you not care? How many times in my life have I asked this question? And how many times in yours have you? I think a lot of times what happens is it's not that we, it's not that we forget who Jesus is. It's the, the, the distractions pull us away from Jesus. And again, fill our mind. Instead of Jesus filling our mind, the distractions do. And so point number four this morning is that distraction makes us defensive towards Jesus. And we see that is immediately after she says, Lord, do you not care? She says that my sister has left me alone to serve. So in a way, she's 
defending where she's at. She's defending her position. Like, I'm asking you, why do you care? Because my sister's not doing anything. Like, why is she not over here helping me? And number five this morning, distraction makes us demand from Jesus. Look at the end of verse 40. After asking the question, if Jesus cares, she then says, tell her then to help me. She commands Jesus. She tells Jesus what to do. Martha is, I mean, she's just, she's lost it. She's so distracted that now she's telling the teacher, the teacher that she's supposed to be listening to, what to do. And finally, point number six, distraction leads to desperation. And when you see that Martha in this scenario is just desperately trying to control the situation. She's trying to justify her position. And that's because the distraction really did manipulate her mind into thinking that she knew what was best instead of Jesus. How often are we manipulated in the same way? How often do we get defensive with Jesus? How often do we demand things from Jesus? And how often do we desperately try to take control from the one who is in control? Now, how does Jesus respond to Martha? And how does he respond to us today? Even though Martha falsely called out Jesus and her sister Mary, Jesus had every right to rebuke her. Jesus had every right to call her out, but he doesn't. In verse 41, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. I just, I love the way that Jesus responds. It's not anger or frustration. It's out of love. It is simply shifting the way that she's thinking and shifting her focus on what is necessary. Look at verse 42. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Sitting at Jesus' feet is what's necessary. Spending time with Jesus is what's necessary. Keeping with the focus of our mission is what's necessary. Submitting and learning from him is what is necessary. Mary is doing this necessary thing. It's not causing her any anxiety or trouble, unlike Martha. It's giving her peace and comfort. We as believers need to stop taking upon ourselves unnecessary anxiety and trouble. The world will give, enough, give, and give that to us on its own. We must take times for those things that are necessary. We must take time to sit at Jesus' feet. We must take time in the morning to read his word. Because if not, we'll miss out on the mission. Point number seven this morning, life on mission cannot only be about the mission itself to the point that we miss who we are on mission for. We are on mission for Jesus. By spending intentional time with Jesus and having a heart that is always sitting at his feet, we will be able to follow the example of Mary and Martha. For while we are on mission, we will be able to know when to sit at Jesus' feet as Mary did and know when to serve well by keeping him at the center of our service as Martha learned to do. So this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're a Martha who serves a lot like me, or maybe you're a Mary and you're sitting at Jesus' feet. Or maybe you have talents, as Katie was saying, and you've been holding the talents and you haven't been given to God. And I just pray this morning that, I just pray that you would take what God has given you and give it back. And I pray that as you continue to serve God, that it would be multiplied in abundance. And that while you're serving God, you remember to keep Jesus at the center. And that you'll take time out to sit at his feet. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you this morning, Lord, and I just thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for the opportunity for the well to come and to, to do the worship and, and the messages, Lord. And 
again, I just pray that we wouldn't, we wouldn't hide away our talents, but Lord, that we would, we would serve you with them, that we would oh, just give our all to those around us. Uh, Father God, I pray that we would keep Jesus at the center of our heart and of our mission, and that while we live on mission for you, Lord, God, that it would just be all for your glory and your honor. I love you, Lord, and I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you would please stand, we're going to finish with it as well. When Thank you all so much for having us here. I hope that your hearts were blessed and touched by um, the words spoken here and from the music. And I just pray as you go out today and this week 
that you will be encouraged to live a life on mission, the mission that God has called you to, and that you would glorify him and honor him in all that you do. Thank you so much.